want to tell you first, uh, I'm going to give you a little report, but I do want to tell you that, um, you know, I am really, I'm always in awe and amazed that God would use me. I really, I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm just like a nobody. And, I mean, I was, uh, this, this two days, the last two days, they had a minister's retreat, and I was at the altar there this morning, and, and just saying, God, I don't know why. I have no idea why you chose me, and I'm just so thankful to be chosen. It's a privilege. It's, it's an honor to go to Indonesia. I, I know that some of you might think it's hard, but it's, it's, it's an honor to be there, and it's an honor to serve him. And it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter really what you do, because the greatest success is doing what God wants you to do. And that is even if it's, you know, whatever it is, sweeping floors for Jesus is as honorable and as successful as going to Indonesia if that's what God wants you to do. Uh, when I was 22 years old, because I'm going to kind of tell you a story tonight, basically, in between I'll yell a lot. And, um, and uh, when I was 23 or 24, right in there somewhere, um, I was praying. Like, I really felt like I, like my life kind of, I was a Christian, but I didn't feel like I was, like, serving God right and stuff. So I just went in this season of prayer, and I would pray every night uh, until I sensed the presence of God in my room. And then I knew when I was there, I was like, okay, I can go to sleep now. And uh, it was it was in it was in the end of August, beginning of September, and I said, Lord, um, I want to do something for you, whatever it is, I'll do. Like just tell me, because I, I I've messed it up before. I've just gone and done things, and I just want to do what you want me to do. So whatever you tell, which is always a dangerous thing, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. And and he spoke to me. And he said, I want you to be the assistant rainbow leader. Now, you guys have rainbows here, right? It was that, like four and five-year-olds, right? So I was like, and I, you know what? I didn't even hesitate. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. And so at our church, we used to, because I wasn't a pastor back then or anything, and I, I, I said, okay, so on Thursday nights I would go, and I was the assistant rainbow leader. And what happened was um, the rainbow leader, she was wonderful. She was a most, very dedicated, very uh, faithful woman. But she was the worst storyteller in the world. And I was the assistant. And you know what the assistant does while the story time is, right? The assistant keeps the kids in the chairs. And when they're a bad storyteller, I get a lot of work, you know. And so after about, I don't know, a month or a month and a half of doing this, at the end of the thing, I just said, can I tell the story next week? And she said, sure. So, you know, I got the book. And, you know, for the first few weeks, I, I did the story in the book. And I used to make up voices and jump around the room and kind of go crazy. And the kids, I just learned that if you're crazier than the kids, the kids are like, you know. And that's what I used to do. And, and, uh, and then I stopped using the book and just found out what the lesson was. And I just started making up stories. And, and then what happened was the next door, the prince next door could hear this guy yelling and screaming. And so they joined story time. And then pretty soon I had 30 kids and I was telling stories. And then I started doing kids' church. And I realized that God had called me to be a preacher by starting in, in the Rangers. 
And so no matter what you do, God will use what you do when he tells you to do it. And I learned that, that adults are no different than children. They just hide better. Come on now. now we don't want to laugh at that, but it's the truth. We're not much different than kids. I don't know about you, but I got a little scared kid inside of me sometimes, you know. And I'm in Indonesia. I had a lot of scared, little scared kid inside of me sometimes. You know, we've got that inside us. We don't want anybody to know it. We want to look strong. You know, in Indonesia, the name is Jaim. Uh, Jaim means, uh, Manjaga means to watch over. And the word im means image. Jaim, to watch over my image. Everyone likes to watch over their image. You know, we want to look good. We want to look strong. We want to, the fact of the matter is many times, I don't know about you, I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of worries, you know. And so, at, but, but let, me, let me go into kind of the story that I want to tell you about Indonesia. But let me give you a report first because you guys have, I don't know why your pastor invested in me. I, I mean, I honestly don't know why, you know. But you guys invested in what we're doing. And I want to just spend five minutes. By the way, okay, there's, what time do you want me to stop? Because I just go until it's time. Eight. Okay, good. No, okay, I'll just go until nine if that's what time you want. <laughs> just tell me when to stop. So I just stop. I said, that's it. We're done. Um, and so I want to give you a report so you know what has happened. Uh, and then I'll tell you kind of what we learned along the way. And I think it's something that we can all learn. Um, but basically, we went to uh, Indonesia in 19, uh, in 19, in 19, 2011, we moved to Denpasar, Bali, and that's where we, we had to learn the language first, and we moved there, and then that's where we started the work. And since then, um, we have, we have a, a, a community of between about, right, like last Sunday, it was, was 168, but we run between 150 and 200 people. Um, they're actually like your, I love this church, like your church, people from all around the world. It's a very international place. And so we have people from, at one point, representing every continent in the world, which is great. I think it's, I love what you guys have here. That's precious. That's what you want. You want it because you get views from everywhere, and that's the best way. And uh, mostly Indonesians, 85% Indonesian, and mostly young people and over the last 18 months i've baptized uh, 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 over a hundred of them uh, and some of our muslims uh, hindus and buddhists and and now we have this chinese group that uh, we we started with one chinese lady who got saved and now uh, i just baptized right before i came 12 uh, uh, mandarin chinese and so we have one life group where i actually speak english they translate Indonesian on one side because they don't know English, and they translate Mandarin on the other side because they don't know English. It is quite challenging, but it's a lot of fun. And I love Chinese food. You know, I love fish head soup, man. Come on now. There's nothing better. Except when she breaks out the ma. You know what ma is? That The spice, the ma, where it numbs your tongue. Man, that stuff is good. Man, we go just for the food sometimes. I don't even go to preach, you know. But so we've started that community. We also, um, we're, we have a soccer ministry that started out. We, I work with a, a man named Nando. He had 25 kids, and now we're up to 125, and we are praying with them. Many have received Christ, and now we're moving to deal with the, with the, with the parents, like to help the parents. Pray for that ministry because there's a lot of challenges in that ministry, both with helpers because they do it during the day because they're kids, 
so it's hard to get workers. And also, now that we're going to the parents, we have both Hinduism and Buddhism there. I mean, uh, and Muslim there. So the parents don't usually, like, hang together. So we kind of have to figure out how we're going to do that because it's not that simple. So um, we, we do that. We, we're in uh, several uh, orphanages. We have a street kids ministry that we do now, and we fully uh, preach the gospel there. Our children's ministry goes to several different schools. Some of them we preach at. Some of them we do another program that they want, which uh, only teaches godly values, which is the same thing, but it's just a little different way. And, um, and then uh, we also have uh, an art school. We started an art school, uh, which does uh, cooking, music, dance, and, and, and visual graphics like uh, video editing and, and graphics design, mostly photography and all that stuff. And that is a really huge thing. And if all goes well, at the end of 2015, we will go national with this. So like a million kids will be a part of this program. I mean, this is just out of this world. I just cannot believe. I hate to say it that way. It sounds so un... But it's just what's going on. And so that art school, right now, we started with 20 kids this year. Next year, we go to 40 kids. But then we do weekend. We call it... Uh, they call it. They have all these wild names like astronaut and, you know, I don't know. They use all these names because it's this art school. I don't, I'm just the chairman, man. I just keep them going. Anyways, but it's going, we build a team and it's just going fabulous and we're really, really excited about that program. And we have a building and so we have youth groups there. We'll have 100 kids come and we'll rock the house and do all crazy stuff. You can find some of those videos. If you want, uh, see me and I'll hook you up and show you where the videos are and stuff. And then, to me, the, the crown jewel and the thing that I believe that God is calling us to, and Jason's coming on Friday night, and Jason's going to actually be a major part of this uh, area, is we have come to the conclusion, uh, we just know from God that God is calling us to go into unreached people groups. I'm talking 100% Muslim, mostly. Uh, and we now have a strategy, we, uh, we have a design, and now it's a matter of just developing what we're going to do. Now we are, I, I'll give you a little testimony about, well, you know, I'll tell you, but we are now in northern Lombok, which is called the Island of the Mosques, up in northern Lombok, 100% Muslim, and by next month, Agun, who I've trained, and he's a, he's a pastor, He's been formally invited by the village to come and live in their community. They know he's a Christian, and it's the first time they've ever invited a Christian to come and live among them. And it is, to me, if I can do five of those, man, I can die. Really, that's, to me, getting into unreached people groups is my heart's desire. I want to see people who have never heard the gospel experiencing a testimony of the light of the kingdom of God among them. It is just the most exciting thing. I don't know what's more exciting than that to me. It's, it's just, it thrills me. So, and I'll tell you how we did that because um, I want to kind of just tell you a story. But I want to show you a little video. It's not even a missions video. But it's a really cool video and it'll kind of help you uh, to, uh, to get the understanding of where I'm coming from because I believe this before you start it. I believe this. After you come to Jesus, after you have God come into you and 
fill you up and present to you the kingdom of God because that's what you're able to go into. Amen? After that, you have one job. One job and one job only. And that is to open the door for other people to experience the very thing that God has given you. There is no other job. It is not, not, not make a money, not, excuse me, not raise a family, even though you're supposed to. I'm not saying you shouldn't raise a family. I'm talking about your purpose in life. There is no other purpose but to introduce the gospel to others because you have it all already. You know, I, you're all I want. You're more than enough. First Peter, you have everything you need for life and godliness. Now, by the way, that Bible that word says you have everything you need for life and godliness, right? Okay, now I want you to ask yourself, what did you pray this week? I have everything I need. So what, did you, what was your prayers like? God, I need this. God, I need that. You have everything you need. Why are you praying this? The last command was to go and make disciples. The two greatest commandments, right? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then Jesus said this. you got to catch this phrase because he said it. In between, when he was talking about the two great commandments, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is the same as the first. Which means, not like this. Love the Lord thy God. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's not, that's not the order. It's love thy Lord thy God. Thy, love thy neighbor as thyself. It's the same. They're exactly the same. And the reason I say that is because, truly, if you really love your neighbor, you'll give him everything. And you'll give him the most precious thing. And that is the gospel. There is no other job. I believe there is no other job. I'll say it one more time. There is absolutely no other reason you exist after you come to Christ. And I would challenge anyone to sit with me afterwards and prove me otherwise. Now, let's watch a little inspiring video. Redmond, the best form he's shown since he broke the British record. When you try your best but you don't succeed When you get what you want but not what you need When you feel so tired but you can't sleep Stuck in
question for you. Oh, not, we're not going to start it again. It was that good. We want to see it twice. That's second, second one. Oh, you're going to shut the Derek door. Redmond. Here's my question for you. Who's greater, the one who finishes the race or the one who helps him get there? That's exactly what Jesus said. He said, the greatest among you shall be servants of all. That's why I'm saying our only job, and it's the next slide, by the way. Our only job is to help people, to open up door, open up the door so people can see the kingdom of God. You know, it's not our job to push them through. We can't get them through, but we can open up a door so that they can come and see the power of God, so they can see the kingdom of God, so they can see who? They can see Jesus and have an opportunity to walk in. That's our only job. To me, that's the only thing. And so when we were in, when we were in Indonesia, when I first, you know, got there, I like, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a nobody. I, I, I'm not a rocket science. And, and, and you know what? I'm not even really a theologian. I don't really feel like I have those kind of skills. And I'm not convinced that, that sitting with, with someone and intellectualizing the gospel is really going to get them there. Especially in Indonesia, because, you know, they have their God, they have their theology, they have all of that. And a discussion about it might help, it might, might work in some cases. But for the most part, they're like, you got your God, I got mine. 
So what we started doing is we said, okay, how do we want to evangelize? How do we really want them to, uh, to, to experience God? How do we do it? Since we didn't know anybody, we didn't know what we were going to do. And so, so basically, we kind of came up with this evangelistic program, if you want to call it. And the best thing we did was we actually went back to the Bible and said, well, let's just kind of do it that way. I know that doesn't sound like rocket science, but, but the four spiritual laws don't work there. I don't really see them working because there's not a whole lot of Judeo-Christian background. And four spiritual law actually starts with an understanding that there's a, there's a background there of Judeo-Christian ethics, and there isn't any there. So let's get into the scriptures, and then I'll start telling you kind of some of the things that went down in Indonesia. But it was funny. So the next slide, we're going to do uh, Acts chapter 3, if you have your Bible or your iPad, or your phone in my case. And we're going to read Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And um, I'm just going to walk through this passage and kind of show you some things that I believe that God is not just for Indonesia. I believe it's for right here in America. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, um, well, here it, it's very possible. But in most cases, you know, opening the doors of a church building and saying, come, is not working. Would you agree with me? I mean, it's just not happening. It used to be you could do that, especially in America. In Indonesia, you don't have church buildings to do that. And in most cases, what we're trying to actually teach some of these people is a, a church building will actually hurt you. Seriously, because uh, uh, that's like, for example, our art school is not, um, it's not Christian. It's not a Christian art school, which, by the way, is kind of a weird phrase if you think about it. I mean, if someone's drawing, is it Christian or not? But we'll, that's a whole other subject. But every person that works in that school is a Christian. And everything we do is based around these uh, godly truths that we have. And so, like, I was telling Chuon that, like, my, 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 uh, my Cece, she's, uh, she's the head of the, the Cookville, the, the cooking area. And so she was doing a, uh, this, I watched her do a class. She's, like, actually amazing in how she shows the, the, how she shows God. She was making a cake, and she, so she had all the ingredients out. And the kids were all sitting there, and they're all going to get ready to learn. And so she makes them taste all the ingredients. Taste salt. Taste the raw egg taste all that stuff. She said, how's it taste? Like, yeah, it tastes lousy. She goes, yeah, I know. Isn't it? It's weird, huh? She said, but then when God starts mixing things together, and she starts talking about how God put us all together in all different, you know, shapes and sizes and, and, and gifts and talents and stuff. And, and she, she's like preaching to them while she's making this cake. And then she said, and then sometimes you have to get put in fire. You know, like God, you go through trials. And she's everything she's doing, she's just like using, using as an, and at the end she says, taste the cake. And it, it tastes great because she's actually a pastry chef. And it's really, really good. And she goes, isn't it great that when God puts you together and you walk in God, that God begins to have you taste good. And they're like, yeah. So, I don't know why I said all that. Just let's get into the scriptures. But, you know, the idea is that the, the, just simply telling someone about Jesus, it's not really working. It just doesn't work. And I don't, I'm not sure it really works a whole lot here. I mean, God's word doesn't return void. So I know preaching the gospel is important. But let's, let's just see some stuff. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take... Uh, the, uh, take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. 
He approached as they approached the temple, a lame man uh, from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. So he could beg for uh, from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some food, for some money. And Peter and John looked at him and they intently and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at him eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up and walk. And then Peter took him, uh, uh, took the lame man by the right hand and, and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and he stood up on his, uh, on his feet and he began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, uh, he, he entered the temple together with them. I just want you to just take a look at this passage and try to actually get the reality of it all. Okay? Um, Here's a lame guy, right? And the first thing I see here is here's a lame guy. And every day, it says every day, these people picked him up and brought him to the temple. Now, the thing that screams to me here, the thing that just screams out is the word compassion. Because there's some guys here every day that thought of this man, this lame man, and said, hey, Guess what? Uh, you know, we got to take him to the temple. So I'm sure there was some times where, like, Freddie, who was, like, this guy's friend, because I'm sure they were friends, Freddie would take him. But then he'd call, you know, up, he'd call up John. He said, John, I can't, I can't get there today. Uh, can you go pick up Tom and bring him over? Because I can't make it. So they were constantly thinking of this man. They had compassion to this man. And the principal here, which if he's paying attention, he'll put to the next slide, says... Compassion brings people to the temple. Compassion will always bring people to the temple. Are you catching this principle here? See, when we start having compassion on people, all of a sudden they begin to listen to us and they begin to actually uh, say, hey, we care. So, like, for example, when we started to go to Lombok, what we did was we would go to Lombok. We'd go once a month, sometimes twice a month. We'd fly over. We'd land. We'd thank God that we didn't die. We'd get off the plane, and we'd, we'd get in this van, and we'd drive up. <laughs> we were talking about that, yeah? And we'd, although they're prop planes, which I, they coast, so if the engines blow, it's still a pretty good chance you're all right. Anyways, um, and then we, we drive up in the vans, and you go up in the mountains, man, it's 150 S turns. You know, you're just going up like this, you know. One time we were driving up, and there was this, uh, this, this truck in front of us that had pigs, you know. And the pigs were facing us, you know, so they're facing us as we're driving, you know. And you could see their heads just going. <laughs> and pretty soon they put a display on for us right in front of us, you know. I thought it was quite funny. My, my wife wasn't happy because she was already not feeling so good. So, but, you know, and then once you get up there, you know, you live in, you know, Hotel Bamboo. And you live there for a couple of days. And you go and you minister to these people. And we made a decision at the beginning. Don't ask me why. Just maybe because we just decided this. We said to ourselves, you know what? We're going we're gonna to love the Sasak people in northern Lombok. We're going to love them even if they don't come to Jesus. Because if you love someone for any other reason but to love them, you don't really love them. If you love them to lead them to Jesus, 
You're a salesperson. You're not a lover. You're a salesperson. See, Jesus, when he came, he came and he loved us while we were yet sinners, while we were still enemies. He loved us and he died for us with the opportunity for us to love him back. But he loved us. He would die for us even if we never loved him back. If we never became Christian, he would, I believe in my heart of hearts that he would come five times for the Muslim people and die for them if that's what it took. I think he would. Because he loves people. Oh, by the way, and I don't think you're, a, a, I don't think you're this kind of church because I, I just sense a, a real understanding here. Don't watch the news about the Muslims. Please stop doing that because it's only breeding fear and hatred in your heart. It's not like that. I'm in a very safe place. I've never felt threatened, uh, maybe once. But you know what? When's the last time you could walk through Boston at 1230 at night without fear? I can do that in Denpasar. I can. I, don't even, I walk through there without thinking. I'm not usually up at 1230, but, you know, I know I could. And I'm not really worried. I don't feel threatened at all. There's nothing, there's, there's really not a whole lot of danger there. But you can't do it in Boston, and you're worried about us. So anyways, that's a side note. So, so we decided we're going to start loving these people. And so what happened was we went up there, and we were doing these clinics all over the place. And my wife was, you know, doing it. And to be honest with you, I know nothing about medicine. And so, like, after about the second or third time, you know, I used to practice my bahasa, satu, dua, tiga, because you call it numbers, they'd come up. Those are the numbers. After a while, I knew my numbers, so I was like, I'm bored now, you know. And I'm just sitting around. I don't know what to do. I'm with a couple of guys that are on our team, and we're like, what do we do? And so, of course, we start seeing the mothers sitting over there, and we see the kids around. So we start doing kids' stuff, and we start, we start uh, teaching the mothers about nutrition and health, and we start gathering them together. And then pretty soon, you know, every time Cece and Dharma come up, you know, they come up, and Agoon comes up. The kids find out Agoon and Cece are here, you know, and they just start running, man. And so it's like the Pied Piper. You see these kids just come running out all over the place, and we just work with them, and we teach them how, how to, like, brush their teeth, and we have games about that. And we do nutrition and, and disaster relief. We do all kinds of, and we just find, and then all of a sudden we started doing farming. They, their farming is kind of messed up, so we start teaching them how to farm. And actually we have a very strong system now. And we have decided that we are going to see the kingdom of God come to that place. Because when the kingdom of God some, comes somewhere, all of a sudden health comes. Joy comes. Peace comes. All the stuff of the kingdom comes. Even if they don't accept it, it still comes. And so we started doing that, you know. I remember Dharma walking around. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I told you this on the video, but I remember Dharma, he, would, he was there. And you always get these, like, little kid friends, you know. And he's, like, hanging. His kid's hanging with Dharma, you know. And, and he hang, keeps running. Every time Dharma does something, he does something because he likes Dharma and he wants to be like Dharma. And so Dharma finally asked him, he said, what do you want to do when you grow up? And, and the kid says, I want to kill Christians. That kid's not going to kill Christians. His best friend is a Christian. He doesn't even know it. He's never met a Christian, actually. That's the first one he's ever met. And when he finds out who Dharma is, he's going to want to be like Dharma because he loves Dharma, and Dharma loves him. See, so compassion is a huge part of, of showing someone the kingdom of God. We've got to start showing compassion. You know what? Signs that say you're going to hell will never lead someone to Jesus. 
Condemnation does not lead people to Jesus. It doesn't. We've got to stop doing it that way. Do you ever notice that Jesus, this is like, Jesus was like, let's say it this way. Jesus was like, he was comfortable sitting around sin. I'm not saying he liked sin. I'm not saying he wanted sin. He died to get rid of it. But do you ever notice that like he used to sit around with it all the time? Very relaxed? How do you feel when you're sitting around that kind of environment? How do you feel? Because he doesn't. All he, as a matter of fact, not only that, he was driven to those places. He was driven to those places. And, and, and he didn't change. He changed those places. It's a whole other sermon. But, you know, that's, we, we've got, you know, what do we, well, I, was, I was getting on a boat with a couple of pastors in Indonesia. And sometimes the Indonesian pastors, they don't get it. Just like here, just like me sometimes. And like there was these two guys on the, on the, on the dock, you know. And, uh, and, and sometimes they just want to get on the boat to get a ride. They need a ride, you know. And they were just standing there, you know. And they were standing there just smoking a cigarette and stuff like that. And, and so like, hey, you want a ride? They're like, yeah, we'd love a ride. And so they're getting ready to get on the boat, and they walk on the boat, and, and, the, and, and one of the pastors says, this is a Christian boat. You can't smoke on this boat. Now, let me tell you, I, I'm not sure that guy's going to want to go to church the next week because of that. Plus, you just lost every influence you ever had with that guy. you got to have compassion. you got to start loving them. you got to start really loving them and just loving them to love them. That's it. It's a pretty simple form of evangelism because when you start having those, is, is, I ask the question, is the church, is the church, the Christian church known as a people of compassion? But we need to be. We need to be known. We should be known as a people of compassion. I think sometimes we're known as a people of condemnation. So we started loving on these people. We decided that we're just going to love people. We're just going to love them. Just go make friends with people and just start loving them. Now, the second thing I see in this passage is that here's this guy, this lame guy, right? They said they put him at Gate Beautiful. Do you, do you think he called that gate Gate Beautiful? I don't think so. I don't think he called it Gate Beautiful at all. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why. Every day, probably 100 people, maybe even more, walked by him and basically, sometimes without words, but probably sometimes with words, they basically said, you're unclean, not you, you're unclean, <laughs> and you're not allowed to come in. When you clean your act up, when you become clean, when you become whole, when you clean up your act, then you're allowed to come in where I can go. Can I get an Amen. You see, we have a tendency, and that's the next slide, is to conform people and say, you know, we, we, we love this definition. And I'm not saying there's not sinners and saints, but we have this definition. We, we tend to call people sinners. You know, the only whitewashed sepulchers I've ever heard Jesus call are the ones that are actually in church. So what we did was we made a decision that, you know what, we weren't going to condemn anybody. That everybody's welcome to come into the temple. We don't care who you are. We don't care what you believe. We don't, really, 
We just said, come. If you're interested in coming, come on in. We don't care what your sexual orientation is. We don't, we don't worry about any of that stuff. As a matter of fact, the, you know what? The, now, I know this sometimes sounds radical, but, I mean, I'm just seeing Scripture this way. You know what the best view of the church is? You know the best view, in my opinion, of what the church is? It's out of uh, John chapter 11. Lazarus. Right? Lazarus. What, what's going on in Lazarus? Boy, I only got 15 minutes left. Wow. Okay. Lazarus, dead in the tomb, right? He's dead in the tomb. Three days. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any studies, but decaying flesh after three days is smelly. It's nasty. It's ugly. It looks terrible. And there's nothing we can do about his death, right? Jesus comes along. He says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out of the tomb, right? He comes out of the tomb, and now he's standing there, fully alive, stinking like to high heavens. And what does he do? He turns to his disciples and he says, now you take the death clothes off of him. Now to take the death clothes off of him is not an easy job. As they're pulling the, the cloth, it's tearing the flesh. Someone's got to bathe this guy. Somebody's got to help him. Somebody's got to get clothes for him. Why? Because he's, he's fully alive, but he's not really healthy yet. See what I'm saying? So, so what we've done is we've said, listen, you know what? We're, we're not worried whether you're healthy yet. See, we like clean people. We like clean people to come into our church. We like clean people to come in. And, and then it's really easy because they're nice and they don't stink. And they're right next to us and, and, and they, don't, they don't pollute our environment. But see, the thing is, is... If you truly understand the gospel, our environment is supposed to affect their environment. So what we're teaching people is we're saying, listen, you be friends with them. All right, I got to share this now because this is what's on my mind. Okay, I don't know how Jesus works in your life, but let me tell you how he works in mine. Okay, all right. Sorry, I need two chairs. I, I, this is how I think you, by the way, you know when I'm doing the, 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 the one thing I did like about the Skype thing is I could sit in my underwear and you didn't know it. Anyways, because <laughs> I never stood up, right? <laughs> nice shirt, underwear, you're all set. Anyways, <laughs> is that too much information? Okay, it says in Ephesians this, it says that Jesus reached down into the lowest parts where we lived. And it says that he reached down and he took us. And he raised us up, amen? He raised us up past all the heavens, high above every principality and power and darkness. That's, it says it. It says he raised us up far above, far above, not just above, not a little, far above every power and principality of darkness, right? And it says that we see seated us with Christ in heavenly places. So this is Jesus, and this is you, and that's me. And I don't know about you, he said this. I, I, he also said what? He said he would never leave you or forsake you, right? right? Can I get an amen? Good. <clears throat> this is how God works with me. I'm sitting next to Jesus, and I'm busy with my life. And I'm just doing my thing. And then Jesus says, you know, Donald, you probably shouldn't do that. 
you should do this. And I'm like, Jesus, I got this one, man. I know what I'm doing. I'm strong, got my act together. I know what I'm doing. So, you know, I just start doing my own thing, you know. And, I, and, I, and I'm walking down the wrong trail. I'm doing my own thing, my own way, right? Now, by the way, where's Jesus at this point while I'm doing this? Oh, he's right next to me. Because he said he would never leave me or forsake me. He said, even when I am faithless, he remains faithful. See, he never leaves us. I don't know about you, but my God never leaves me. He might not be happy with me. He might be crying next to me. He might be praying for me. But he never leaves me. That's my, that, that's my God. Now, you know, I don't know who your God is, but that's my God. Right? And so then I'm doing my own thing. And I'm pretty stubborn, you know. Kraskapala, which means thick head. And, and you know, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. And then my life starts falling apart, right? Because I'm not doing what God wants. And, you know, that, when you don't do what God wants, you know, you just, you just, your life is not doing good, you know. And all of a sudden, things get worse and worse and worse. And finally, after I, I get exasperated about doing what I'm doing, and I turn to Jesus and said, Jesus, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing that. You know, the very thing he told me a long time ago. And you know what he says to me? He goes, that's a good idea. He doesn't go, I told you that five years ago. I, if you just listen to me. He doesn't do any of that. I don't know about you. That's my God. He doesn't do that because he's gentle. He cares about me. He loves me. He prays for me. Right? Now, I told you all this to say this. You might, I think you agree with me to say that Jesus does that. He's with you, right? If he does that, then we're supposed to do that. See, if he does that with people, then we're supposed to do that with people because we're supposed to be like him. So what we've been teaching people is to, to, go out, to go out and make friends with people who you believe that, that, that God wants them to come into the kingdom of God. That, that, they're, that, they're, that you see them and you say, wow, I can open the door for them. You know, so, so you go be friends with them. And when I say be friends with them, you just be friends with them, which means you accept them for who they are. Jesus said he meets you where you're at. You meet them where they're at. You don't condemn them. You don't tell them to change. You don't do anything. They accept you. You accept them. I'm not telling you not to be a Christian. You be one. And that's what we teach our people. You be their friend. And you know what happens after you're, you're friends for a while? When you're truly friends, what the friends do is they start telling each other their problems. And I would say this, problems are God's opportunity to reveal himself. See, I have this friend, his name is Bilal. Now, he hasn't come to Jesus yet, but, you know, every time I go into his city, he's a Muslim guy, and he's a really, I love this guy, man. And, and, and so every time I go into his city, I go visit him. And I go have dinner with him, I make sure I spend some time with him, whatever. And then, you know, what happens is he comes to my city, guess what he does? He calls me up, and we go out and have dinner together. We're hanging out. And we just started hanging out, talking about things. He's a kickboxer, and he does all this crazy stuff, and he's always interested in my life. I tell him what's going on. I tell him, you know, hey, I said, God did this. You know, I, I talk to him just like I'm a person, like anybody else. Like, I just talk. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he has a problem, and something happens with him and his girlfriend. Who does he call? Calls a friend. Calls me up and says, Donald, he says, Donald, I don't understand my, this is what's happening in my life. What, you know, I don't know what to do, man. i got this problem with my girlfriend. You know what I say? I said, boy, that sounds a lot like some of the stuff I've been through. 
you know, and you know how I've done it? I, I, I you know, I, I go to Jesus, you know, and I, and I pray, and, and sometimes he gives me wisdom, he, he gives me insight. You know, it's amazing, sometimes he actually speaks to me. And oh, by the way, some of the things you said, you know, it's in the Bible over here, you know, and, and it says this in the Bible. You know, you should check that passage out. Go read it. He's like, oh, yeah, I should try that. So, you know, now when he comes to my city, guess where he goes? He comes to our gatherings on Sunday mornings. And he cries every time he comes. And he comes up to me. Now he calls me Pastor Don because he's been now. And he comes up he goes, Pastor Don, why do I cry every time you co I come to your, your gatherings? I said, well, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Because the Holy Spirit is all over the dude. You know, we had this other lady, you know, she, friend. She comes up and... And she, she, uh, she starts coming to our gathering, and she said, can I have lunch with you, Pastor? He com comes in, and, and, and she said, i got to tell you something. She goes, you know, I, I, I was, I'm really dissatisfied with my life, and, and I've been meditating really hard, just trying to, you know, get that peace. And she goes, I, I was meditating last week, and all of a sudden, there was this, like, darkness that came all over me, you know. And then, and then, and then this light like kind of came and when that light came I felt really like I really felt like comfortable and 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 kind of felt blessed and I said can I read a scripture verse to you she goes yeah sure and I looked up the gospel of John you know and I said the light shined in the darkness but the darkness couldn't understand it she goes that's exactly what happened to me well you know what the next verse says and I read it to her I said and there came a man to explain the light and she goes that's you that's you <laughs> and I led her to Jesus you know and she is just fired up for God you see we've got to stop let's look at this picture of, of this scripture I don't have time for you Mr. Crippled Man I'm going to see my God something's not right See, John and Peter stopped and took an opportunity to look at him and to care about him and to pay attention to him when everyone else was walking by. Now, in Indonesia, I love it because there's so many people who need the gospel. So we're just teaching people to be friends with, with the, 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 all those people around them. I, you know, we get this country club mentality, and, I, and I'm screaming at my own uh, community, too. Don't just have friends like, like you. You know, we get in country club mentality. We all hang out together. We all do things together. And we never give out any time to spend with people who are truly in need. You know, so just like this, just, just like this. You know, I don't have time for them. I go to Bible study on Tuesday. I go to prayer on Wednesday. I go to ladies group on Thursday. I go to the potluck on Friday. Then I go, you know, and I'm with my friends on Saturday. I like to be with my friends because they're easy to be with. I'll tell you, if you are truly filled with the Spirit of God, if the people of God, if we are truly filled with the Spirit of God, it will drive us to open the door for other people. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. That's what His heart is. And if we are filled with Him, then we will have His heart. And His heart will say, sorry, brother so-and-so, I'm going to go help my neighbor doing this. 
because my heart is driven towards that person. And I want to open up the door for them. Like, I mean, I don't have enough time. I'm going to run out of time. So, you know, don't you want someone to come up to you, like, to run up to you in heaven and just, like, jump in your lap? Because that's what they're going to do. And they're going to go like this. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to go, thank you, Chuon, for, for telling me and introducing me to heaven. I mean, they're not going to go like this. Thank you, Chuon. Heaven's really nice up here. Thank you so much. They're not going to do that. They're going to run up to you, and they're going to jump and leap in your arms, and they're going to say, thank you for showing me eternal life, because now I understand. Don't you want at least one to come up to you and say that to you? I, 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 the guy who led me to Jesus doesn't even know I'm a missionary. I can't find him. I've searched for him on the internet. His name is Dean Adams. If you know who he is, tell me. There's so many. That's the problem. But I, I, I've tried to find him because I want to thank him. But I know I'm going to get to do it in heaven. You know? Don't you want one? Like for me... Like that's, and, and I'll just close with this, you know, thought. You know, in, 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 in that passage, think about Peter and John. He, he, they watched this guy jumping and leaping. Now, I'm sure John and Peter were like, this is awesome. That's just great. You know, there are times where I'm in ICC over there in our Sunday morning gatherings, and, you know, we got a kick and worship team, and they, they didn't know Jesus before. They've come to Christ. It's been awesome, you know. And there are times where I'm standing here, and, I, and I'll just stop worship. And I'll just look up, and I'll just go, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> look at those guys. You know, this one guy, he's got, his name is Bill Dute, you know, and he, he you know, I mean, he, he was, he's a rejected guy, you know, and everything. And now he says, I just want to be a tool in God's hands. You know, I got this other guy, Arnold, man. I mean, his mom died early age. His father left him. You know, he's come to Jesus, man. And the dude always sweats, man. He sweats like crazy. And he comes running over to me. He gives me this big hug, you know. And I take a shower every time he's, he hugs me, you know. Cause I'm like, man. But you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that hug every time. Don't you want to experience that? The way to do it is to just be their friends. And when the problems come up, that's opportunity for God to reveal himself and to pray for them. They'll never refuse prayer. Pray for them. And pray when someone tells you, they, tells you they're sick. Don't, don't say, I'll pray for you. Don't say, I'll pray for you. Say, can I pray for you right now? Seriously. You know, we had this one little girl, and, and, and we were at this wedding. And this girl was like, uh, had like uh, a bandage. She couldn't walk. She was on like crutches and her ankle was real bad. And all these kids were playing. And I just, my heart just went out to her. And we were sitting at the table and we were talking to everybody and stuff. And, and this girl couldn't even, I couldn't speak her language. The mom was, could speak English. I couldn't speak her language. And, and, and finally I just said, you know, can I pray for your daughter? Can I just pray for your daughter? I just want to pray for her. And she's like, yeah. So, so uh, we went off to the side. And, and, I, and she sat down, and I told, I told, you know, I was all translated, and I was like, can I pray for your ankle? And she was a little scared. I said, listen, if, it, if you're afraid, if you're afraid, we'll stop. You know, anytime you're afraid, we just stop. Don't worry about it. So I said, can I pray? She goes, sure, I can pray. So I prayed for her ankle. When I got done praying, I took her toe, and I, and I started moving it like this, you know. 
And, and, and I said, does that hurt? And she looked really scared. I said, if it hurts, you can be honest, you know. And, and she, she looked like she was still hurt. And I wasn't sure because she was still scared. And I said, well, let me just pray some more. So I prayed some more. And I really felt God move. And so I, I took her toe again, and I started moving it. And I said, does that hurt? And she said, no, it doesn't hurt. I said, all right, well, why don't, why don't you try standing up? She goes, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't stand up. You know, I said, listen, if it hurts or you're scared, just sit right back down. No worries. Just try standing up. I said, you can even hold on to your mom. And her mom was like, sure. And so she stood up. And, and, and so the girl grabs her mom, and she stands up, and, and she starts letting go. And I said, does it hurt? She said, no. I said, well, then why don't we just try walking? Oh, I can't walk. I can't walk. No way. I said, listen, if it hurts, just stop. I said, but if you take a step and it doesn't hurt, just say, just say, thank you, God. And so she goes, okay. So she's like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And she just starts running. Full speed, just yelling out, thank you, God. You know, I was like, and she just like, she gets a little ways away and she stops. And she turns around and she runs straight for her mom. And her mom starts crying and she starts crying. And they're just full of joy. You know, it's really easy to share the gospel when God reveals himself in a problem. It's simple. It's so simple. See, you're all worried about praying for somebody. Eight o'clock, Donald. You're all worried about praying for someone because you're like, what if God doesn't do this? Listen, let me tell you, it's God's problem to heal. It's not your problem. You can't do it. I can't do it. But it's God's problem to heal, right? So when you pray, you're just giving God a problem. And God doesn't have a problem with that problem. God has one problem, though. I must admit, God sometimes has a problem, and that is his people don't pray. His people don't take the opportunity afforded them right in front of them to pray. And so, like, in our gatherings, in, in, our, in our times, I teach our people, you know, just pray for everybody, man. Pray for anything. You know, if they want prayer, you pray for them. Ask them if they want prayer, and, and then you just give them something. You know, like, you never know. All this crazy stuff goes on. You know, I was praying for this one guy. Last story. I was praying for this one guy. You know, I don't try this at home. But, I mean, I started praying for him. And, and like, you know, he's, like, going like this because he was deaf in that ear. And, and he started going like this. And I'm like, something's not right. So I just said, God, what's going on? And I'm just crazy enough to believe that God speaks to me. So I just, whatever I get, I just give. So, like, I, I just sit in there. I'm like, God, what's going on? And, and then finally I just, I, I felt like God was saying something. So I looked at the guy. And I said, you went deaf 10 years ago in a religious ceremony. It was a Balinese ceremony. So you went, you went deaf 10 years ago in a, in a ceremony in that ear, right? He goes, yeah. I was like, I got this one, man. So I just prayed, Lord, you know, I just cast that demon out of his ear. Because I, I just believe it was just a demon. I mean, I was pretty right on in the first place, so I figured I'd just keep going, you know. And all of a sudden, I just prayed, and boom, his ear opened up. And he could hear, you know. It was easy to tell him about the love of Jesus after that. I can't do that. I can't do it. God does it. God wants to do it. And he wants to use you. He does. And so just, so I'm going to stop here. Just, I tell you, I've been going. When I came back, again, thank you so much. You guys are just like awesome. And, and you play a part. You are going to have people running up to you. You're going to have Indonesians 
coming up to you. And when they say, it means thank you. You know, but in heaven, you'll understand it because you'll have understanding of all languages at that point. I don't know how it's going to work, but you'll understand them because you and they'll say, thank you for sending me. You know. And I hope that maybe something I say to you. Someone will come up that lives here and come running up to me and say, thank you for coming to that time and just investing. Thank you for your pastor or thank you for your church. Thank you because through you, the door was open. And they came in. I mean, that's really what you want. That's the key. That's the only job we have. We don't need to chase after anything else. Because everything else, we own it all. We own everything. Well, ask your pastor about that. Anyways, so just go for it. Just go for it. Be their friends. So as I've been here only 10 weeks, this has been my prayer at the end, is that the Holy Spirit would put two people on your mind that you are around you, that you see. I am guarantee I could sit and I could probably find 15 to 25 people in five minutes of people you walk by every day who don't know Jesus. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit puts two names or faces on your mind and that you will give your life as a ransom for them. And that's how we're going to close. So let me pray, and then your pastor come. And sorry, I'm five minutes over. Lord, you loved us while we were enemies. Lord, you came to us. We didn't come to you. Lord, you sat with us when we didn't even want to sit with you. Lord, you cared for us when we wanted to just spit on you. I pray that you would put that same spirit of compassion on all of us here. And I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that you would put two names, maybe more, on the minds of each of us here. Lord, you already gave me my two names that I got to go back and do. Put those names on, on the minds of your people right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that when you put those names on their minds, you would fill their hearts with passionate compassion for them. That they would stop, they would look at them, they would give their time, they would give their treasure to that person so that those people can come to know you. In Jesus' name.